Well, good morning, everybody. How you guys doing? 9 a.m. is showing up this morning. Love to see you guys here in your smiling faces, bright and cheery. Hey, can we give it up for everybody that's watching with us online this morning? We are so excited to have you guys joining us here today. Well, we are continuing in week two of our Voices series, and we're going to do something different, something that we've never done before here at Coastal. Because we have so many amazing voices within the staff of our church, the life of our church. We have some great communicators, maybe people that you've never heard from before, maybe you've never met before. So what we're going to do is we're actually going to give these four each seven minutes. And they're going to come and they're going to give you just a message that God has laid on their heart. Because here's, here's the deal. You guys know how sometimes when you hear something from one person, Okay, it hits a little bit, but then when you hear something from somebody else, it's like, oh man, I really connected with that. And sometimes we need different voices, different communicators, different styles, because we receive things differently. And so I'm excited for you guys to get to hear from our staff. They're incredible, and I think you guys are going to be blown away by what they have to, to bring to you guys today. So I want you to get your notes and your pens and all of that stuff out and get ready to receive from them today. But before we get started... I just want to let you know that this might be some of their first times like up here communicating on stage and giving you guys a message. And you guys, you've never had to preach to you. Okay? And, and let me tell you something. This is what it's like when you're preaching and we're looking out there at you and you're like, that's really hard. So I want you guys to be engaged today. I want you to smile. I want you to nod your head. I want you to say, come on, preach. That's good. Come on. Like we need some audience participation because it's so hard when it's. Thank you. Thank you. So we need more of that smile, nod, amen. That's good. So the first one that we have today is Trenton. He and his wife Emily have been with us at Coastal for about seven months, but they feel like they've been part of our family for like seven years. They've just meshed so well into the Coastal family. Trenton is our worship leader here at the Parkland location, but he's also an incredible communicator. So will you guys welcome Trenton. What is up? What is up, Coastal? Man, I'm so excited to get to speak to you. I want to just first and foremost say thank you to Pastor Shayla and TJ for giving me the opportunity to speak to you guys today. But like she said, seven minutes, that's not a lot of time. So I just want to jump right into it, okay? So what I'm going to talk to you guys about is something that I'm sure that you can all relate to. I want to talk a little bit about pride. And here's the thing. I think a lot of us can say, oh, I can think of someone who struggles with pride. I can think of somebody who's a little prideful. I can think of someone, but I want to kind of, let's play a little game, and I'm going to show you how much pride can kind of hit home for us a little bit. So take, for example, I'm going I'm to I'm hand you a photograph, and before you look at it, I'm going to tell you, hey, in this photo is a group of people, and you are one of those people. Now, who's the first person that you look for when you turn that photo over? <laughs> you look for you. Why? Pride. You're like, man, what was I doing? Why am I there? How do I look? Am I looking good? Am I looking bad? It, it matters to us. Here's a, here's a more personal example to me. Here's a photograph of me and my lovely wife. Look at her. Man, it's hard for y'all to take your eyes off the right side to look at the left. But can I be honest with you guys? When Nick first showed me this photo, it took me moments to realize my wife was in the picture. I, I love me. No, I'm just kidding. That's a, 
Guys, that's a silly example, you guys, but, but I think that can kind of help us kind of see like, okay, maybe we do kind of think about ourselves a little bit, a little bit too much, even when we don't realize it, and that's pride. And why is pride bad? It's not just about being arrogant. See, I think I can point to pride as the root for everything we kind of struggle with, whether that be lust or greed or gluttony or anything like even insecurity, which is just pride in reverse. See, pride is I think about myself too much and I love me. And insecurity is I think about myself too much, but I hate me. See, so what we have to start doing is walking out of pride and into what I think we would all agree is the opposite of pride, humility. And so if pride is thinking of yourself too much, humility is simply thinking of yourself less. And so what does the Bible have to say about humility? Because who cares what Trenton says about it? So the Bible actually talks about it in Philippians, the second chapter, Paul is writing, and he's talking about this humility, and he says, in, starting in verse three, they'll throw it on the screens, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but look out for the interests of others. And church, when I see that, when I read that, I can see two things that if we can grasp a hold on, we can really begin to walk out of pride and into humility. The first thing that I see comes from that third verse where he says, have humility of mind. See church, Paul is saying you have to change your mindset. That's the first thing you gotta do. Because right now our mindset is just me, me, me. It's me, me, me. Here's an example. I have this habit of going to uh, like a lunch break, going and get a, get a sandwich or something from a grocery store and bag of chips or something. And I'll walk to the register and I may notice that there's a mom with a basket full of groceries and she's got three kids. One's crying in the basket, one's grabbing the leg and then one's like behind her, like picking up and putting down everything they can get their hands on. I will find myself speed up to beat that because I don't wanna be inconvenienced and have to wait behind that mess, right? When the nice thing to do would be to say, man, that, wa that woman looks like she might be struggling a little bit. Let me let her go first. She can get those babies home. No, because it's about me. So how do we kind of switch that mindset from us to others? Well, Paul uses Jesus as the example. He goes on in verse five to say this, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. See, Paul is saying here that what Jesus did was he, even though he was divine, took on the form of a bondservant. And all a bondservant is, is just a person who has willingly put themselves into the service of another human for life. And while Jesus was not physically a bondservant, he, he went where he pleased, he didn't technically work for anyone, what he did was he started to think he had the mindset of a servant. And what's a servant mindset? A servant's mindset says this, my best interest is not what matters most. What matters most is the person I am serving. Now here's the problem with us Christians sometimes today. I say us Christians, yes, me too. Because as Christians, we have come into the service of Jesus. However, we are still functioning and putting our best interests as most important. So we gotta start to switch that mindset. It's not all about us. It's about the things God wants and God is all about people. So that's the first thing, you gotta shift that mindset. The second thing comes from that fourth verse where he says, do not look out for your own personal interests, but look out for the interests of others. So the second thing, you have to look out. That's a physical call to action. Look for ways to serve. Now that you've switched, you can't do this without one, but now that you've switched your mindset, now you can start to look out and say, okay, it's not about me. How am I serving somebody today? Paul also uses Jesus as this example. In verse eight, he says this, being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And listen, guys, you gotta imagine with me, Jesus hanging on the cross, right? 
He's hanging on the cross. In his mind, he is not thinking, this is in my best interest. In his mind, he's looking out and he's seeing the people around him. He's seeing the people that would come years later and he's saying, I'm doing this because this is in their best interest. You know, as Paul talked about Jesus's death here, I, uh, I was thinking about Jesus's death and it, it kinda, it's kinda crazy to me. You know, the Bible says that Jesus knew when his time was coming. Wouldn't that be crazy if, if we knew, like if we knew this was it, we got, we got 24 hours. So I actually Googled that. I Googled surveys where people were asked, hey, if you had 24 hours to live, what would you do? And a lot of the answers were very similar. There's about three things people said that they would do. And it kind of lines up with how Jesus spent his last day. The first thing people said they would do is they would have one more glamorous meal. Amazing, lobster, whatever, pasta, I don't care what you want. Now, I don't know if it was glamorous, but the Bible says in Jesus's last day, he had what we now call the last supper. The second thing people said they would do is they would spend times with their loved ones, tell them they loved them one last time. And the Bible says that at the Last Supper, Jesus' disciples were there and he invested in them and told them how much that he loved them. And the third thing people said that they would do is they would spend whatever time they have left and do what makes me happy. Again, putting it back to me, my best interest. Now we don't get to know. We don't get to know when our last day on this earth will be, but Jesus did. And this is where Jesus is different than us and better than us and this is why he is the example. The Bible says in the book of John that what Jesus decided to do was get up from the table, wrap a towel around his waist, and wash the feet of his disciples. That was the savior of the universe, modeling a mindset of servanthood and looking for ways to serve. So church, I wanna challenge you today. How are you thinking and what are you looking for? Thank you. That was incredible, Trenton. Thank you so much for coming and sharing that. I think that's something that we can all walk away from that with and ask ourselves, man, what does that humility look like in our life? And how are we looking around at other people and going, man, how am I looking out and how can I serve in this moment and have this opportunity? Well, next up, we have Miss Rachel. Now, Miss Rachel's a little bit of a firecracker. So her and her husband, Joe, have been with us at Coastal for eight years. And... Joe and Rachel do all of our curriculum. They're the curriculum coordinators for our Coastal Kids Ministry. And so when your kids walk out of kids ministry and they're remembering what they learned and they're repeating and they're asking mom and dad, what was your main point? You know, like all of that, that's, that's Joe and Rachel putting that stuff together. And so I think you guys are really gonna enjoy Miss Rachel this morning. Thank you. Well, I am so grateful that Pastor TJ asked me to speak today because you guys and me, we don't spend enough time together. Usually I'm in the back, influencing your children. Okay, that sounded creepy, I'm sorry. But it's true, whether you realize it or not, every word that your child reads in Coastal Kids, every video that they watch, ev everything that they hear, that's me in there. Have you ever ridden around with a kid that's singing a song you don't recognize? I got that song stuck in their head. You're welcome. Well, here I am influencing the foundation of your children's life, and we haven't even chatted about my intentions yet. <laughs> it's okay, don't panic. You've got good shepherds and pastors, TJ and Shayla, and they scrutinize what I'm doing back there because they don't compromise when it comes to influence. Right. Don't compromise on influence. As my son Anthony would say, you need to stitch that on a pillow and put it in your house. 
right? Don't compromise on influence. Compromise means to go just a little bit lower than what we know to be right. And we are all vulnerable to compromise. Even the apostle Paul in Romans 7, 19 said, for the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. And parenthood provides the perfect atmosphere for compromise. Why? Because it lasts a really long time and we are tired for most of it. Now you may say to me that I don't compromise when it comes to my children, but me and Miss Christine have seen you drop those kids off wearing a princess dress and a Santa hat, and I know that a compromise has taken place. Now, of course, that's a harmless compromise, but it is the enemy's job to make you believe that every compromise is harmless. Now, hear that again. It is the enemy's job to make you believe that every compromise is harmless. Galatians 5, 9 says, a little leaven leavens the whole batch. A little leaven leavens the whole batch, and a little influence influences the whole child. Today is a great day to check your parenting pantry and decide what influences do we need to toss out because they need to stop leavening my kids. Now, when you registered your children for Coastal Kids, we ask you about your child's food allergies. And uh, one child that I love that happens to have a gluten allergy is Pastor Josh over here. Yes, if you are my age, even your coworkers are children at this point. So over the years, I've seen Pastor Josh gracefully pass on some lovely dishes y'all have brought to gatherings because you know church people can't meet without food. So um, it's not that he does not love you. It's not that he wants you to feel guilty about what you have in your house. He just knows that for his personal temple, he can't be putting gluten in it, okay? And when his family goes shopping for him, they're scrutinizing ingredients because there could be a cereal on the market that has the coolest box and is endorsed by the kid's favorite character, but if it's got gluten on it, it's not coming in his house. Why? Because whether it is a spoonful or a bowlful, it's not going to bless his life. It's going to actually drain his life. Mom and dad, are there some influences in your child's life that's draining them instead of blessing them? Hey, single person, have you been making some dating compromises that have led you to a place that you never intended to go? Hey, business owner, have you been allowing the world strategies to influence your business deals and workplace practices? Uh Uh-oh, I thought we were just talking to parents. No, I said that everybody was vulnerable to compromise, and I said that it's the enemy's job that every compromise you would think to be harmless, but that's a lie of the enemy. And he lies a lot. John 8, 44 says he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Now, do you really believe a leprechaun is making your cereal? No, of course not. It's a strategy of an advertising marketer and the enemy is marketing compromise to you. He suggests if you compromise your integrity, you'll propel your business to a new stratosphere. There's a prize inside this box. If you compromise in your parenting, your children will enjoy the, the enlarged friend group that you, all, that you never had and always wanted. I mean, look at the smile on this thing. How could anything bad be in this box? And if you just compromise a little in your dating standards, you can have a whole new level of interest in intimacy. Now with more marshmallows, right? But you see, Pastor Josh does not know when it's gonna turn from a minor inconvenience to a hospital stay. And you don't know what compromise is gonna be the compromise that's a compromise so too far. 
put the spoon down. It is time for us as followers to Christ to say, I don't care if every other family is doing it. If it doesn't point our family to Jesus and his word, it's not coming in this house because we don't compromise on influences. And coworkers may tell you that if you don't, if you don't do this, then you're gonna lose business and your children may complain that everybody else is doing it, mom and dad. Family members may warn you, if you take this stand, you're gonna isolate yourself and you're gonna lose friendships and here's where your personal time spent in the word of God every day is going to pay dividends. You answer back with Galatians 1.10. Am I now trying to win the favor and approval of men? or of God, or am I seeking to please someone? If I were still trying to be popular with men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Don't you try to live a single day of your life without God. You need to bring it to him. The first part of every day, you spend it in God's word and talk to him, and I promise you that he will give you the answer you need to answer the enemy's daily charge of compromise. And Jesus exemplified this battle plan in Matthew 4 when he was in the wilderness and the enemy was trying to tempt him. The Bible says that Jesus was in a position of fatigue and vulnerability. He had gone without food for 40 days and 40 nights. If it also said he had gone that long without a proper shower, that looks like parenting to me, okay? Right? If he could add that he had gone that long without seeing his ministry grow to a worldwide influence, that looks like growing a business to me. If it says he didn't have somebody holding his hand, that looks like singlehood to me. And when the devil presented opportunity for compromise, Jesus answered back. It is written and forever remains written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. It doesn't matter what day and age we're living in. It doesn't matter how how society has changed. It's okay if everybody's not on board with it. What God has written forever remains written. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I am here to tell you, God does not compromise and you don't have to either. God bless you. Woo. Preach Miss Rachel. Hey, listen, you guys, when you drop your kids back in Coastal Kids, they're not just getting babysat. Like they are learning God's word and it is, influencing their life in a good way. And so I wanna encourage you guys, if you do have kids, and maybe sometimes they like to come hang in, out in here, they're missing out if they're not back there. So thank you so much, Rachel, that was incredible. Thank you for being an influencer, a good one in the life of our families. All right, next up, we have Brian. Now, Brian is, is new to our staff, and he is actually the one that is gonna be leading our Lighthouse Point location Woo! when we offer that in the fall. And so will you guys welcome Brian. Thank you, Shayla. Hey, first of all, for everybody that came out Saturday, you prayed, you worked, you were a part of it. Thank you so much, Lighthouse Point. We cleared out 54,000 pounds of stuff over like three days, so thank you all so much. Um, <laughs> Flat White Brian, um, okay. Hey, uh, listen, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Brian, I'm the one that has seven kids. They're running all over all the time. And my two favorite questions I'm gonna answer before you ask me, yes, we know what causes it and we do have a television. So just so everybody knows, when we, when we travel, um, as you can imagine, we don't fly. Have you ever looked at the price of a ticket? What you have to do is look at the price of a ticket and add a zero to the end. That's what it costs when we fly. So when we travel, 
we use an RV, right? Right now we're living in an RV. Seriously, come talk to me about it later. And uh, <laughs> so we have a really big van and we hook this RV up to the van and we travel. And my wife and I were on this trip through East Texas. East Texas is like a really, really dry alligator alley. No gas stations anywhere. So today I'm gonna talk to you about my favorite light in the car and I'm gonna talk to you about your light. But first, let's take a look at my favorite light in the car. Uh, it's called the gas light. Everybody knows this. You're on one side or the other here. You either realize, hey, the light comes on, we need gas, or you're on the right singing this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. I'm just gonna tell you, my wife and I are on different sides. So if the light comes on, get gas, it will save your marriage. So today I get to talk to you about your light. And I'm gonna start by reading from John 12. Uh, Jesus spoke again to the people and he said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He goes on in Matthew to talk about your light. You are the light of the world. A, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So today, I'm gonna challenge you to look at your light. You know, in our world today, we have so much light. The average household has 67 light bulbs, watches, phones. I was asking Kyle if we can make everything dark so I could help you understand a little bit better the analogy that Christ is using here. But he said, Brian, I can't make it dark. You got lights here and lights there. I can't turn out and status lights and TV lights, monitor lights. We all got phones and watch. It's impossible to realize the sort of darkness that they felt during the time of Jesus. And so when he made that analogy, I think it's really, really important to understand the darkness that he refers to. It's not just spiritual, but the analogy to our world of darkness, totally different perception from what we have today. We even use the term light pollution. Have you ever heard that? Go out and try and look at the stars at night. You're probably only seeing about 30% of them because there's so much light from around us. So how do we maintain our light? I've got three things for you. And remember, this is all about checking your light. Number one, start your day with daily devotion. You heard Rachel say it a minute ago. We've learned here at Coastal, my family and I, we give the first 10% of everything we make. And God uses the 90% well beyond what we could do. What would happen if you gave him the first part of your day? What if you gave him that first part of the morning, you spent time in the word? I tell my kids all the time, how good would your best friends be if you only talked to them you know, once a month or on Easter and Christmas? Spend time with him every day and watch how your light changes. The second thing I wanna challenge you with, serving others. You heard uh, Trenton up here use my favorite story of the Last Supper. Jesus puts on a robe, he kneels down, he starts watching, washing the disciples' feet. Peter is my absolute favorite, because he's like, oh no, 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 you're not washing my feet, I'm gonna wash your feet. And Christ says, unless I wash your feet, you can't, you can't have part in me. And what Christ is doing there is he's setting Peter up to understand the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate servanthood that he lays down before us. You know, at Coastal, we like to say, save people, serve people. But I wanna challenge you, when you leave those doors and you go home, do you, do you serve people in your community? Do you serve people in your home? You're the light of that community, wherever you live. When you come to Parkland, this is, we got one little area here, but man, with all of us, we got South Florida. I mean, we're picking up all kinds of places. So I wanna challenge you to be the light in your community. Serve, outreach, have connect groups in your neighborhood. We tell people all the time in Next Steps, your connect groups aren't just for people here. 
They could be from people in your neighborhood. So open your doors to your neighborhood and see what happens. The third thing I would challenge you to do is to share your faith. If your light is shining bright, people are gonna be drawn to you like a moth is to the flame. Do you take those opportunities to share your faith? Are they asking you about why you're happy? Are you happy? Is there joy in your life that comes from knowing we have a savior that laid down his life for us? And if you're that excited about it and you're that joyous about it, share it. That's our call. That's our call to do as Christians is to make sure everyone knows why we carry the joy we have. So the last thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna ask you some tough questions. Is everybody ready for some tough questions? Does your light shine so bright that it's different from the world around you? Does it shine different in your house? Does it shine different in your neighborhood? Or is it just kinda, I just wanna fit in. I don't wanna shine too bright. I don't, I don't wanna talk about Christ too much. I just wanna fit into my neighborhood or I wanna fit in what's going on. Let me ask you another one. Does your light shine? Does it show hope to the hopeless? Do people come up and ask you about your light? Do they ask you what the joy is that's in your heart and in your eyes? Do they want to know more? If they don't, you might wanna check your light. So, I, you know, I'm gonna end today with one of my favorite quotes from Dwight Moody, and of course it's got Lighthouse in it, but um, we are told to let our light shine. And when it does, we don't need to tell anybody. The lighthouse doesn't fire cannons to draw attention to itself. It just shines. Man, I think, I think that challenge is so good for, uh, when I heard Brian do that last night, I, I, was, I was asking myself those questions. And I think there's such great questions to ask ourselves: is what does, what is our light doing in the world around us? And has that grown dim? So thank you, Brian, for, for sharing that. Well, next up, I have my twin, Susie. People ask us that all the time. Like, are you guys, we are not related at all. Susie has been with us almost since the very beginning of Coastal, and so she is like a spiritual daughter to, to TJ and I, and just, she is the one that, that leads our students here at Coastal. She is our student pastor. And if you have students or high school, middle school students, you want them to be in Coastal Youth because it is incredible, and so will you guys give it up for Pastor Susie. All right, guys, so right off the bat, who loves to travel? Does anybody in here love to travel? I love to travel, but I hate to fly, okay? Does anybody else not like to fly at all? Here's why, though. It's not for the normal fears of, of the plane crashing. It's not confined spaces. It has nothing to do with, like, a fear of heights, all the normal things. I just hate going through the security check. Like every time that I am in the line, I just immediately start sweating. And when I tried to think about the words to describe what I feel like, I could only go to the wise words of Eminem when he says, her palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy, is vomit on her sweater already, mom's spaghetti, she's nervous, but on the surface she looks calm and ready to drop. Oh, we gotta stop right there, because you're not allowed to say that. You're not allowed to say that next word in the airport, so we gotta stop. But, but you get me. Like, I get so nervous in the security check. I don't like to be searched. I don't like that feeling. I have this feeling like there's always gonna be something wrong. And it's because this one time I was on my way to a missions trip. Everybody been on a missions trip? Yeah, so we, you get together, everybody's going through security. I get through that little detector thing where you hold for three seconds, I get on the other side of it and I hear the question you never want to hear, which is, ma'am, is this your bag? 
So I hear that question and I'm like, no, it's not. And I just take off running towards the gate. Just kidding. No, I didn't because they would take me out. But I said, yes, sir, it is. He goes, well, we have found something in your bag. And I'm like, man, what could I have left? And maybe my lotion's too big. Like, did I put shampoo in my purse? Like, what happened? And he goes, man, we found a knife in your purse. I'm like, oh, that's a bad one. That's a, <laughs> uh, whew. And so I said, officer, I'm so sorry. He goes, well, what were you planning on doing with this? And I said, I said, nothing. And he said, were you planning on stabbing someone? I was like, oh my gosh, no, I would never stab anybody. He says, well, so why is there a knife in your purse? I said, well, for self-defense. He said, so you were planning on stabbing someone. And I was like, I mean, yeah, if somebody comes at me in a dark alley, comes at me sideways, like, yeah, they're going to get stashed. You know what I'm trying to say? So I guess the officer could tell that I started to get, like, really, really nervous. And he's like, listen, listen, listen. You can keep your knife. Go to customer service. They'll mail it back to you. No big deal. And I was like, oh, no, sir, you keep that knife. I don't need it anymore. I never want to harm anybody. I have no intention of, of do can I just get on my missions trip flight? Because I'm just trying to go help the world, you know. And so I end up getting there, but listen, every single time now that I go through security check, I think of that moment, and I'm like, did I have a knife? What a, where's my lotion? I don't even pack anything anymore. And so the same emotions that I feel going through security check are the same emotions that I feel when I read Psalms 139. Because in verse 23 through 24, it says this. It says, search me, O God. That is a tough prayer right there. I don't know if I want God to search me. He says, search me, oh God, and know my heart. Test me and my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, which that word right there means hardship or idol, and lead me in the way everlasting. That is a tough prayer. But what's so crazy is that in verse one, David actually admits that God already knows him and has already searched him. So why in this moment at the end of this chapter does David feel the need to invite God to then come and search him? And it's because change was desired. You see, David didn't wanna stay the same and David had a lot of things to hide. He made just as many good decisions as he did bad decisions, but he knew that God already knew those areas, but he wanted to work through them. And so that's what he asked him. And, and in church, I wanna challenge us because I wonder how many of us have some stuff that's hiding that we're unaware of. Just like that knife in my purse, maybe we have stuff that's hidden under the buried emotions and trauma, under the busyness, under the schedules, under the money, under the titles, under the things that, that are just a part of this everyday life. And if we don't ask God to come and search us in these spaces to work through them and just ignore them, they will come up eventually. And so what I wanna challenge you guys to do is to ask God to search you. And you might be like, Susie, that sounds real cute and all. But what does that mean? I'm gonna give you guys three points today that are super easy to remember because they spell out arg. Everybody say arg with me. Arg. All right, come on. Like an angry pirate, say arg. arg. All right, number one is A, you have to ask God to. You have to invite God to come and to search you. Like David said, God, I know you already know these things, but God, I want you to come do a work. And so maybe our prayer life has to change a little bit to say, hey God, do I have any pride that is in my life? God, is there anger reigning in my life? 
God, bring to light some of the things that I've hidden in the darkness that I've buried down. God, will you search me? Will you bring up these things so that I can start to be aware of the stuff that may be hindering me from having an intimate relationship with you? The second thing that we have to do are is read. We have to read God's word. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, it says this, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And what I'm here to tell you is that if you can read the words to this and it does not reproof you and correct you and train you in the way and test you, Man, I think you're doing it wrong. And I think a lot of times we use this for other people and it's not doing that same work. And so it's gotta do a work in us before we ever use it for somebody else. And so what I would challenge you is if God's word is not speaking to you, maybe you need to go back to step one and you need to ask. And so before you start reading God's word, you say, hey God, will you reveal some things to me? in your word. Hey God, will you search me? Hey God, will you speak to me through your word about something that I am dealing with, not with what my neighbor's dealing with? And so step three, G, is get. We have to get an accountability partner. And this is not somebody that is gonna tell you the things that you wanna hear. This is somebody who's gonna call you out on your crap and tell you the things that you don't wanna hear, but that's gonna make you better and that is gonna challenge the way that you're thinking and the way that you're doing things. And so that as God speaks, you have somebody in your life that will keep you accountable to the things that God is speaking to you. And I wanna challenge you that if you will do those three things, ask, read, and get you will experience an intimacy with Jesus that you have never experienced before. Thank you. And you know, I think it's incredible to get to come into a place and to hear all of these different communicators and the words that God has placed on their heart. But I wanna challenge you guys that as we leave today, let this not just be something, oh, that was kinda cool that happened today but something that you take home and you evaluate. Because I think that while each message was, was pretty quick, there were some incredible things in there that can bring transformation to our life. And if we would take what Susie just talked about and we would, as we leave today, if we would just go, God, will you search me? God, will you search me? Is there places that I have pride in my life that I need to be humble in? Are there places where I'm allowing influences in my life that I need to, to get rid of? Are there places maybe where my light has become a little bit dim that I need to shine a little bit brighter? But if we just come and if we just hear but we never search and we never evaluate, then nothing really changes. And so I wanna challenge you guys today to walk out of here and to remember the words that were just spoken and to allow them to sink in and to begin to transform places of your life that may need to be revived. And so I'd love to just pray over you guys this morning, but before I do that, maybe there's some of you guys out there that, man, you've never made a decision for, for Christ. You, have never prayed that prayer and said, Lord, I wanna surrender my life to a God that already knows everything about me but loves me anyways, that wants what's best for my life, that wants hope and life and, and strength and wants me to walk in purpose. 
And if you've never made that decision, we actually have a, a team in the hub, which is directly across from the coffee bar, and they would love to be able to pray for you today, to encourage you today, to give you some tools and some resources to help you understand that journey of faith. But there might be some of you guys in here that you're just struggling in life. And you could use somebody to pray for you and to encourage you this morning. If you would stop by the hub, that team would also love to pray for you and just be part of walking alongside of you. So as we close out today, let's, let's say a prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you. And God, we thank you, Lord, that you know every single bit of who we are, the, the struggles, the insecurities, the fears, the mistakes, the sin that's in our life. But God, today we ask that you would search those places of our life. If there's places that we have pride, that you would reveal them. If there's influences in our life that don't need to be there, God, that you would show us. Lord, if there are places that our light has become dim, Lord, that you would show us and strengthen us, God, that we can shine bright to all of the people around us. God, search us today and begin to reveal those things in our life that we can walk out of here with purpose and intention. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen.